Good morning. Man, I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. <laughs> I really have. Um, hey, so as Aaron said, my name is Mauricio. I'm the student pastor here at CIL, and I just want to begin, um, and I did this in first service, so he's going to get double honor, uh, both Aaron and Beth. I want to just give them a little bit of a hand clap and honor them this morning. So can we just give them a little bit of a love? Um, my family, uh, our staff, under their leadership have just been blessed, and uh, it's their humility, it's their generosity, it's it, what you see on stage is also what you get when you just talk to him and have lunch with him, and even this year, um, I have grown as a leader sitting across his office, and as we piece together the vision for CIL students, and it's just been such a blast to be here, so thank you, and um, yeah, so I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's a question that I was asked um, usually when I got home really late at two in the morning and my grandma was waiting for me uh, with a sandal in hand ready to beat me, um, she would say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And um, in light of the message this morning, I want to ask you guys, what are your thoughts today? How is, how is the thought process going on this morning? You may be thinking about lunch. You may be thinking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You may be thinking about your kids or your family, but are your thoughts this morning harmful, hurtful, or helpful this morning? And I want you to do a self-evaluation on thinking of what your thoughts are, because sometimes we get caught into um, just a spiral of busyness. And if you've heard yourself saying, as soon as it slows down this week, I'll get peace in my routine. And you've been saying that for the last five years. And the secret is, guess what? It doesn't slow down. You keep saying yes to things, and life keeps happening, right? And so our mind is super important. Our mind and having a peace of mind is really important. That's what I want to speak on uh, this morning. And so our life is always drifting in the direction of our most powerful thoughts. Our life is always drifting in the direction of our most powerful thoughts thoughts, because where your thoughts go, your mind goes, your body goes, your heart goes, and you begin these actions moving forward into a direction that you didn't even know you'd be. You didn't decide to go there, but you thought about it, and you made actions towards it. I want to tell you a story about 21-year-old Mauricio. Can I do that this morning? All right, strapping young 21-year-old Mauricio. He didn't have long hair, okay? He, he uh, wanted to go to ministry school, and so when I started going to church at 17, um, you have to go to like some kind of ministry school, I found out. And so I started going, and this particular school that I would drive to was about an hour north in Clouston, Florida. And so I had this beautiful, any car people in here? Any car people? I had this beautiful 1992 midnight blue four-door Honda Civic. Come on. <laughs> Come on. A little spoiler on the back. Felt like Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious, all right? And uh, that, that little thing got us up and down uh, Florida, and we would pile in. So three of my friends uh, would go into the car, and I was driving, and we're making jokes, and we're, we're laughing. We're, we're making all these jokes about all these things, and we're not really thinking or processing things. We're just kind of driving, and, and I'm almost like, we'll get there, right? And so we're 20 years old. We're driving. We're, we're having a good time, and in that moment, I felt something wrong, right? So I felt the back tire blow out, okay? So I started to swerve. I'm 21. I don't really know what to do. And so I'm swerving. My front tire goes over the shoulder. 
And so we start going, and I see a speed limit sign, and I'm like, okay, well, I can't hit that. So I kind of turn a little bit, and so that's, um, I missed it by about six inches. And then I end up past the swamp grass into a canal. So my front of my car is halfway into the canal, and I feel the water rising up um, into water flooding in, and and we're in the back, and so we all like jump out of the car because we're like trying to get, we're pushing the grass out of the way to get out, and so I'm in skinny jeans and converse. I'm not equipped for this. This is just a complete different situation, so I get out of the car. The water's up to my waist, and we say, we're going to muscle this thing out of here. We're going to push it out because 21-year-old people think they can do anything, right? And so we're pushing, we're pushing, it's not moving, it's not moving, there's bugs everywhere. And uh, my friend in, in, in the far end of the car says, oh, that's a pretty colored snake. I look at him, <laughs> and at that moment, I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me, abandon your friends, le- le- leave them. They have nothing to do, you don't owe them a thing. You drove here, all right? And so I, I get, we walk out, we're soaking wet, we're sitting there on the side of the road. Ministry students are just driving by, waving, not really stopping. I'm like, y'all. And the best part of the story is that the tow truck driver comes out, uh, gets there, and I just look at him. He's like six foot two, burly, tattoos. He looks at me, he goes, son, what were you thinking? Hondas don't float. I said, thank you for your words of wisdom. But what I, what I gather from this story is that my thoughts drifted really quickly into a scenario that I didn't want to be in, right? I didn't know how to handle the situation, and so my mind was preoccupied with so many things, and sometimes our thoughts are like that. We're peaceful in one moment, laughing in one moment, and then out of nowhere, we're in chaos, and we're, we're in a place that we didn't want to be in, and so and peaceful. And so the verses I'm going to read to you in Philippians is, are actually really well translated from English to Greek, or sorry, from Greek to English. And so when we read these verses, there's no doubt in my mind that this is what God has for us this morning. And so Paul is speaking to his beloved church, and he wants them to grow and mature as Christians. And so it says here in Philippians 4, 7 through 9, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. In verse 9, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And this is the word of the Lord. And so I want to share three observations that I get from this text that will put us on the path towards peace in our mind. And I think that this is something that is an internal battle, so that's why we don't really talk about it too much. But for the parents in the room, we know that when stress happens and chaos happens, our mind tends to deviate and and get off the rails a little bit. And so first point I want to make is true peace comes from God. True peace comes from God. You can't have counterfeit peace. The peace that the world sells is counterfeit. It's not true. The peace that we get from God is true. And so verse 7, the, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Renee and I are really big documentary people. We love watching uh, documentaries on Netflix, and we love watching um, 
and seeing the inside view of celebrities' lives. And you see the fame and the power and the money and, and all of that is great. But then when you really look at them and, and ask them the deeper questions, they, they really feel uneasy and unstable. And they're like, well, I don't really have peace of mind. And so as Christians, we tend to look at that and say, man, they have everything. But they don't have peace. Their peace is based on possessions. Our peace is based on a person. That person is Jesus. And the world will sell us on status while missing substance. So many times we forget that the source of our peace as Christians is Jesus. And we tend to find the source as our bank account, as our house, as the things we've built, as our lifestyle. All these things we say bring us peace. But without the source of peace, our peace ends up in pieces because it's not on the right foundation. And so one thing that the world strives to have, that they can't get on Amazon, because you can get about anything on Amazon nowadays. They can't find peace. Is your peace unshakable this morning, CIL? Is your peace something that you can say, this is mine? And so I challenge you this morning to dig deep into where it lies. If it lies in other things, if you've made your peace with other things, try to focus back into God, because that peacefulness comes from God. It's priceless. It's peace beyond politics. Amen. It's peace beyond uh, expectation. It's peace beyond what we see in the natural, because we know that God, when he brings a super into our natural, it becomes supernatural peace. This is the peace that I'm talking about. God's peace that guards our hearts and minds in the middle of Nashville traffic. Okay. In the middle of of the Chick-fil-A line when you're like, these people better get my order right, <laughs> okay? God bless them, they usually do, all right? But the idea is that this peace guards us from wanting to scream and yell and be upset. It's because the God of peace lives in us. And where does that peace come from? Well, the cross. Think about the cross. Think about how in that moment when Jesus paid for our sins, there was peace between the enemy of God, us, and God. There was this moment that shook heaven and earth that made everything right again. And it was that sacrifice of Jesus saying, I'd rather die for you than live without you. Let me bring you into the fold. Do we, lie, do we rely on that peace? Do we rest in the shadow of the cross? Do we look at the cross and say, my God loves me this much. Why would I live in chaos any further? Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Not our shoulders, his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus is positioned to give you peace. Jesus is ready to calm the storm in your mind. Will we lean into his presence this morning and say, God, you can have all of me? Peace of God is, is contentment. Charles Spurgeon puts it, peace of God is the eternal composure of an absolute well-content God. A God that knows and is satisfied in himself and knows that he is satisfied with his creation. Are we leaning into that presence? Because the same God that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And so we need to lean into that presence this morning. Why is contentment so important? 
It's because we were enemies of God, and now we constantly seek what we can get more of, as opposed to getting more of Jesus. Peace in every circumstance comes from God. It's the peace that Jesus had while he was sleeping through storms. It's the peace that Jesus had when he was um, just dying on the cross, knowing that the joy set before him was this, was CIL. It's the peace that Paul had while he got bit by a snake on an island, shook it off and threw it in the fire. It's a peace that he had while he was in jail writing the book of Philippians for us. This peace comes from Jesus. My second point is to fill your mind with eternal thoughts. Eternal thoughts. Much of the Christian life comes down to our mind. It really does. And for years, I was taught to be an emotional stuffer. Any emotional stuffers in here? You just, if something happens and you're just like, nope, I'm going to put it right down there. <laughs> and I am not going to bring this up ever again, right? And so that was a symptom of the chaotic household I grew up in. There was fights, there was arguments, there was stuff like that. I heard things that I wasn't supposed to hear at the age that I was. And so I kind of just stuffed all that stuff and put it down. And that was the only way that I could find peace. I was basically trained at a young age to find comfort in that chaos and to kind of uh, build off of that. And so I was basically taught that. And that caused triggers and different things. Peace was the last thing on my mind. And so the issue that I had was not just having negative thoughts, but I couldn't think of anything else. And so as I stand here before you, I don't want you to not think of negative things. That's going to happen. We're going to have intrusive thoughts. We're going to say, well, what if I just drive off the thing? You know, you're going to have all this stuff. But what I'm telling you is to add on the goodness of God. Not just to not think of your problems, but lean into his presence. That's what I'm asking you to do. We're not considering what God thinks of us when we have these thoughts. Because our thoughts can be a reality that we believe, but it's not the true reality that God believes in you. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For the thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. We tend to empty our mind and not think, but we don't fill it up with something else. And that's why Paul gives us a list of things to think about in Philippians so that our mind can be renewed. He says, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, holy, commendable, morally excellent, praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Look on these things. God doesn't just remove the bad. He adds the good into our lives. Paul gives the Philippians a testing kit for Christians to say, does this line up with what your life looks like? Do you have pure, excellent, praiseworthy things in your life? And if you do, dwell on them. The word dwell in the Greek means to count on or to count towards. So do we count our blessings and look at them and say, God, these are the moments of peace that you brought into my life? Because that's important. He's saying here, do you see these things? Do you take an inventory of these things daily? Do you commune with the Holy Spirit to remind you of these blessings? Do you look at your children and say, these are blessings as they're covered in Sharpie? <laughs> and say, man, blessings of God, right? Do you look at the pure things, the holy things, the lovely things, the praiseworthy things? If you want peace, you have to start with the present. You have to look at what you have. 
And so me and Avery, we love to play this game. It's like five good things. We ask her five good things that happened to you this week. And she kind of will say, okay, I watched Bluey and I watched this and, and I got to hang out with my sister and all this stuff. And, and so she'll go through all the things that are good in her week. And they're very simple things. And they're, they're five good things. And sometimes she'll say, well, I found this really cool rock. I'll be like, all right, let me see the rock, you know. And so she'll give me the rock. I say, this rock looks no different than every other rock I've ever seen in my life, right? But think about Avery's mindset here. She is not scared to bring the praiseworthy things to her father. She is not worried whether I'm going to think they're cool or not. She wants to spend time with me talking about her things. Some of us need to take refuge in the Father and seek presence with him to talk about how amazing the things are so that we can have peace in our lives. It's not about the rock. It's about how happy she is to have relationship with me. Avery's praiseworthy thing was enough to celebrate with her father. I love that, and I want that for you guys, to see God as someone that you can spend time with, that you can gain peace from. Your peace will leave a legacy. Your peace will leave a legacy. Why does peace matter to you, CIL? Because you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's seeing you as you proclaim to be a Christian in Sumner County, how you handle stress at work or at your job or at school. How do you handle these things? How do you look at these things? And people will see that and say, wow, you've really got a peace and a calmness about you. I remember spending time um, when I was younger in church and spending time with um, men of God that were pouring into me. And they would, there was one guy in particular that no matter how crazy everybody was getting, he just had this calmness about him, his, this peacefulness. that he said, hey, we're just going to figure it out. And so his peacefulness left in, this is how I want to move forward. And if it wasn't for that legacy of peace that he left in me, I would not be seeking it. Paul is saying here in Philippians, if you do what I say, if you live how I lived, you will find peace. And Paul, shipwrecks, snake bites, prison sentences, um, craziness happening in his life. And yet he can say, if you live like I do, thinking of the God of peace, peace will be on you. Ephesians 4.9, it says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me, seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So in the middle of the storm, God is with you. In the middle of a cancer scare, God is with you. In the middle of a divorce, God is with you. The God of peace is with you. In the middle of a loss of a relative that you absolutely loved, God is with you. He has not left you. He has not abandoned you. He is present and wants a relationship with you. Will you lean in this morning and say, God, I'm done being prideful. I want your peace. I want you. What is the one thing you want to be remembered by, by your family and by everyone? As someone that grew up in a chaotic home, I knew that I needed the path of peace because the people closest to you should be the most grateful for you. So think about your home life. Does your presence cause panic or peace? When you walk into the room, fathers, and I'll talk to fathers for a little bit. When you walk into the room, are your kids like terrified? Or do you bring a calm and a peace to the situation? 
Because we know the key to a healthy church is healthy fathers. Mothers, single moms, are you bringing peace to your household? Are you creating a place of peace? Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. That is my goal. I want to be counted as a son of God. I want to be counted as someone that is with Jesus and that my presence can bring peace into the situation. What is our legacy, CIL, in this community? We're leaving a legacy, good or bad. That's the thing, is we don't get that we're leaving a legacy, whether it's great or whether it's terrible. So what are you doing this morning? To leave that legacy, a failure to extend God's peace to others, to your neighbors, to your apartment complex, to your neighborhood, reveals that you have not accepted God's peace in your own life, so you have nothing to give. I know I'm preaching this morning, I think. (laughs) Because Jesus isn't angry with you. Jesus isn't upset with you. Jesus is, is in love with you. God has been satisfied with the cross. So what else are we aiming for? Man. In a couple minutes, I'll bring Pastor Jacob up here to lead us in communion, but I'm going to give you three steps in order for you to bring peace into your mind, into your home. And this is not just a family message. This is for anybody. I would preach this on a Wednesday night because my students need to know about peace. Do you believe that peace is possible in your mind and in your home? Three ways to bring peace into your home. The first one is speak peace over your home. I'm talking scripture. I'm talking worship music. I'm talking bring the peace of God into your home, whether you think it's foreign or not. So many times we've kind of just accepted the status quo of how our home is, and we're like, I'm not going to bring worship music in here. That's just weird. We don't do that here. No, no, no. You should do that there. That's where your kids need to hear it. Speak peace over your home. Speak peace over your home. Number two, don't let the calendar kidnap your peace. First service, I had people coming up to me and asking, like, this is my issue, is that I allow the calendar to dictate my life. When as soon as Thanksgiving hits and holiday season and my relatives are going crazy, I just allow the calendar to kidnap my peace. I'm here to tell you that the calendar is not stronger than Christ. The calendar doesn't tell you what to do. You set the tone and set the peace into the calendar. And you say, the God of peace is with me even during Thanksgiving. And number three, identify the rhythms of peace in your home. And this is where the message kind of flips a little bit. Sometimes you do have to get your peace in pieces. It's not going to be a continual Zen peace in your home. Okay, we're not Buddhists, all right? We're not going to have the perfect peace all the time. But when you find those moments where your kids are playing and not killing each other, or when you just have a moment where you're in contentment and you're sitting next to your spouse or your significant other and you're just like, this is it. This is that moment Pastor Mauricio was talking about, that peaceful moment. I'm just going to be present. I'm going to put my phone down. And I'm going to lean into this and thank God and glorify God for the fact that he gave you that. And for the single people in the room, you're going to have those moments where you're just like, this is it. This is the peace of God. And this is my opportunity to commune with my father. And this, the father's house is safe. 
Some of us grew up in a chaotic home and we don't know what peace looks like. It's the joy and the love that we have for each other here. It's you extending that into your home. That's going to be peace. 